This is the Travel Freedom Podcast. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megzi. And it's time to collect your ticket to world travel and a location-independent lifestyle. Every Monday, we talk travel and money. Ultimate travel hacking tips and destination advice recorded on location. We also interview digital entrepreneurs who reveal the methods to creating a location-independent online income. So subscribe on iTunes now and discover travel freedom for yourself with the Travel Freedom Podcast. This is Money Mondays, episode 060. If you are struggling to build your email list or don't even have an email list, then you need to listen to this podcast. In this episode, we are talking to Tom Tate, an email expert from Aweber, which is the email service provider that serves over 120,000 businesses worldwide to help manage and automate all their email marketing needs. It's also the platform we use to send emails ourselves to over 4,000 subscribers across multiple lists that we own. In this episode, we'll be discussing how email marketing is a more effective way to connect with and sell to your audience. Connections that last are built in the inbox. And I think that's really important with Facebook, with Twitter. Like there's just so many messages that you are kind of hit with when you go on those sites. But when you send an email to someone, it's very personal. The inbox is still very much a personal thing. So when you send a really personal email to someone, even if it's on a list of 100, 500 to 1,000 people, when that person receives it, if you wrote it well, you're going to be creating kind of a personal relationship with them, whether you, you realize it or not. And Tom shares his top tips for keeping your emails and newsletters out of the spam folder as well as sharing the most common mistakes that rookie email marketers make. But what I see a lot of people do is they don't offer anything other than sign up for my newsletter and we'll send you an update every time we put out a new post. Nobody really wants more emails in their inbox unless it's going to help them. You know, you really need to give some type of incentive. And again, that could be something so simple. You know, it could be a one page PDF. It just needs to be something that is going to help your audience either solve a problem or offer some kind of value. Well, hello, everybody. Hello, hello. What's happening where you are? We're in Bangkok. Sunny Bangkok. It's actually a really beautiful day today. We've had quite a few nice days. Yeah. It didn't rain last night. That was upsetting. Pissed it down. But other than that, it's been pretty damn good. So this episode is the next part of our core concept series, which is focusing on the, the really essential skills that you need. If you're struggling to succeed online, these are the things you need to be thinking about. So we're now on to the second phase of this series. Yes, we are. So in phase one, we talked about the importance of building authority and self-hosting your blog with a company like Bluehost. Who That's who we use. We do use them. Yeah. So you can listen to that episode back at travelfreedompodcast.com slash zero five two. Yeah. And there's loads of notes on that show notes as well with some tips and things. So not just the podcast episode, there are notes as well. Do head over to that one if you haven't listened to that episode yet. Also, in episode 56, we talked about landing pages and site design. Really, really important to make sure that your site is easy to navigate and it's easy to interact with people so that they can come and join your email lists, which is what we're going to be talking about today. And that was in episode 056 at travelfreedompodcast.com slash 056. So do jump back and look at that. And And, uh, episode 58. We discussed branding, which was such a good episode. If you haven't listened to it, please make sure you listen to that one. Uh, That was with IBM social media strategist, Alex DiCavello. Uh, We spoke about what is a modern online brand, what you should be focusing on to become established online. Lots of really great tips that Alex gave us in that episode. So that is at travelfreedompodcast.com slash 058 to find out more. Mm. And as we said, all our core concepts episodes contain full written show notes. 
So you can get a real in-depth summary of all the stuff we're talking about. It's not as much fun as listening to the episode because it's just written out on a page. Because we're awesome. It's much more fun to listen to it because you get a real sense of exactly what we're talking about if you're listening to the actual podcast episode. But if you are in a hurry or you just need a summary after listening to the episode to go over the main points, they are now written on those show notes. So there's a really, really useful, really helpful for you guys just to make it a bit easier. Also, more importantly, we've got this series of cheat sheets. The first one already came out back at episode 52, which covered all of the basic things, the quick bullet points and the tools, etc., that we use to create this entire process of going from not really understanding what we're doing to actually doing pretty well. So if you want to go back and grab that, then do head to any of those three episodes we mentioned before and grab one of the cheat sheets but cheat sheet number two is out today number two so So, yeah pick up both of them while you're at it yeah you can actually get cheat sheet number one if you sign up today on um, travelfreedompodcast.com slash zero six zero you will actually have access to cheat sheet number one as well but it's worth going back to listen to the episodes if you haven't because that's going to give you some real insight and a bit more understanding to help you when reading that cheat sheet but yeah today's episode will be all about emails and email lists and how to get people on your email lists and that second cheat sheet is going to talk about the email marketing stuff that we use the tools that we use to get people to sign up what we use on our website to collect email addresses and the email marketing platform we use which is aweber which we'll be talking about a lot more in this episode today Uh, but it's also going to give you a little sneak peek ahead into some of the next episodes including sharing a list of the WordPress plugins that we use. That's going to be one of the things that's coming up in a future episode, but you can sneak ahead and take a look at what we use if you want to find out right away. So head over to travelfreeandpodcast.com slash 060. That's for this episode. And you can pick up that second cheat sheet. Absolutely. As we spoke about just a little bit before, we said that today's episode is all about email lists, why you need email, email, why you need email lists, why they're better than social media for selling and personal connection. What? It's going to blow your mind. What? Better than social media? You're going to have to it's listen. True. But also uh, how to get more subscribers on your list because that's kind of the hard part. Yeah, that's the bit we want, isn't it? Everyone wants more subscribers. Or just to get your email list. If you don't have your email list, you need to get one. And we're going to mm-hmm. be talking about that. And loads of other tips coming up as well because we're speaking to Tom Tate from AWeber. And he is working email marketing every day. That's what he does for a living. So he knows all about it. He contacts lots of businesses. He speaks to people who are part of the AWeber group like we are. And, you know, he finds out the down low and the information on what's going on with email marketing. So he knows a lot more about this than we do. But he is going to help introduce all of the basics and some great tips. So let's get into this interview. Hey, Tom, how's it going? It's going great. Yeah, it's, it's bright and early here. We're right outside Philadelphia, Pennsylvania uh, in the United States. And it's interesting that, that I'm just waking up having my coffee and I guess you guys are kind of starting to close out your day. Yeah, yeah, we're getting ready for dinner. We'll it's... go out for dinner after this and a couple of beers. <laughs> yeah, staying in Thailand, there's so many places to eat and it's so affordable as well. It's fantastic. That's awesome. That's uh, travel freedom at its finest. I bet. Yes, it is. <laughs> That's exactly what we're all cool. about. So we'll, we'll find some yep. nice outdoor restaurant somewhere, sit around and Drink a beer and relax after a busy day of lots of internet typing. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's get a little bit into emails and why it is so important to connect with your audience via email. Because a lot of people haven't really caught on to this just yet. Everyone's still doing a lot of social media. I know serious business people are all doing emails, but I know a lot of small businesses and bloggers who are starting out 
maybe they aren't really doing email yet, or if they are, they're, they're maybe just doing a, an email bulletin every now and then, rather than actually having some sort of focused way to connect. Um, I don't know, maybe you've got some stats from your side that can explain why email is better way to connect with your audience than social media. Yeah, I, I can definitely throw some stats out there, but I, I think it's more important just to talk about kind of the concept of email. So I'll give you the stats. I mean, we, we do have one stat that we like to uh, shoot out to people, which is 74% of consumers prefer to receive commercial communications via email. Uh, really important to note that people still prefer to get information from their inbox, uh, even though they're on Facebook, even though they're on social. Facebook, Twitter, when you're on Facebook and Twitter, as a consumer, you're not there with the mindset to buy. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're there with the mindset to connect with other people. You're not really looking to make a purchase or to complete a certain action. And I think it's important to note that when you're in your inbox, uh, you, you may be in that, that mindset, which is really awesome. 66% of consumers have made a purchase online as a result of an email marketing message. So it, it really is effective when you're driving uh, your, your tribe, your followers to either make a purchase or support you in some way. So I think the numbers definitely speak to that. If you look at kind of the, the, the history of, of email marketing, it's always been such before social was even a thing, right? It's always been this big component uh, for bloggers, uh, really because of the email newsletter. It was always very important for bloggers to be able to create their content, support it with an RSS feed, uh, but also connect with their followers through comments on posts, but also with that email newsletter. And I think nowadays, a big misconception amongst newer bloggers, newer content marketers is that it's just an email newsletter. And I think anyone who really gets into email marketing and starts learning about things like autoresponders, you'll start to see that there's so much more to email marketing than just an email newsletter, which I think uh, is, is kind of what we try to do at Aweber is, is try to educate people who are new to email marketing all the different types of things you can do aside from just sending that weekly bulletin, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. What do you say to someone? Because I know the word marketing sometimes puts people off. Is it really marketing or can it be a a more friendly way of looking at it when you're talking about emailing people regularly? Yeah. So on our website, actually, we've been we've been messing around with a lot of the different copy that we want to put on our website. Uh, And we do a lot of split testing. And one of the things that really resonated with our with our prospects is connections that last are built in the inbox. And I think that's really important uh, with Facebook, with Twitter. Like there's just so many messages that, that you are kind of hit with when you go on those sites. But when you send an email to someone, it's very personal. Uh, the inbox is still very much a personal thing. So when you send a really personal email to someone, even if it's on a list of 100, to 500 to 1,000 people, when that person receives it, if you wrote it well, you're going to be creating kind of a personal relationship with them, whether you, you realize it or not. And I think that it adds to your credibility, but it also strengthens these relationships that you're trying to build through your blog or your podcast or your content. It's really just this component to take it to the next level. Mm, being genuine and honest in those emails, I suppose. That's one of the strongest ways to make it feel like you're communicating rather than marketing. Is that maybe a way people can look at it? Yeah, really just be yourself. And that's why I also recommend to a lot of people, and I noticed this, I, before I did my homework, I signed up for the uh, Travel Freedom Network newsletter. And I did notice that you guys don't have like a really flashy template that looks super like newslettery or corporate Like it really felt like it was written to me. You use personalization, which is something that we recommend. So when I opened it up, it said, hi, Tom. Uh, you were able to, you know, use my first name, directly address me. It's written as you speak. And I think that that's really important too. But it really had like a personal feel. And I, I got to know a lot about 
Tabo and Mexi and what you guys are all about, what you guys are doing with Travel Freedom Network. And uh, I, I think that's really important. The other thing I just want to add to to kind of this whole email versus social, and maybe you guys have encountered this, uh, maybe not, but uh, one saying that I hear a lot of marketers say that I really resonate with is don't build your empire on rented property. And it's just this idea that if you put all your eggs in the Facebook basket, and then one day Facebook decides to change their algorithm or charge everybody to use Facebook or charge you to do basic stuff that you used to be able to do for free, it's really going to jeopardize your business. But with an email list, when you start collecting subscribers and you start building these relationships with the email, you own that pretty much, like you own that list. So whether you're, you start with one email provider and you bring it over to Aweber, like that list is, is pretty much yours. You can move it around and you're always gonna have those contacts and you're always gonna have those relationships so that if put your eggs in Pinterest or Instagram or Twitter, Facebook, and something changes, even your blog, if the Google algorithm changes and all of a sudden your organic traffic to your blog starts to dip, you'll always have that email list that you can tap into to connect with your followers, to give them really awesome content. And also if you're trying to build a business to drive them to, to make a purchase or to support you in some way. Yeah, that future proofing is really important. Yeah. Mean, we've all seen it. It's all gone horribly wrong with Facebook right now with the organic reach is down well, I think they so just bad. started rolling out the uh, YouTube subscribers. They're making people having, like people who are on YouTube, they're having to subscribe to keep their videos up there. So that's something Ooh. that's rolling out at the moment, I believe. So all those people that were getting those videos out there for free are now having to, to pay and they're like, shit, <laughs> what well, do I do? If you're on Vimeo, you already pay. True for certain packages. So yeah, it's um, it's very cool that you can have this one way of accessing people that's hopefully not going to be something you're not having to pay for. I mean, we have to pay for our email marketing service, which is something we want to talk about. The importance of email marketing services. Why is it that people should be hooking up with an email company like Aweber rather than just say building a list using a plugin in WordPress, which is I think that's BCCing what, everyone. Oh yeah. Having a spreadsheet. Sending a personal email and a spreadsheet. <laughs> we did start off having a plugin in WordPress our very first time we started doing email, which was like three years ago. That's what we did. And sure. it was it was a bit of a disaster, but let's take it from a professional. What is the the main reason you need a management system to do that? I, I think a lot of it comes down to deliverability, which is really when we say deliverability, we're talking about how many of the emails that you send are going to actually end up in the inbox and not end up in spam. Like Gmail, AOL, Yahoo, Apple Mail, like all these different email clients, they have a lot of different measures in place to prevent spam from showing up in your inbox. And one of the things that they look for is the reputation of the, and this is getting technical, but the reputation of the IPs that send those messages and where they're coming from. So if you send a, an email from, you know, just, you know, so-and-so at gmail.com and you want to send that out to hundreds and hundreds of people, well, first of all, I think Gmail has a limit to how many you can actually send uh, at one time. But if you want to send that out to hundreds and hundreds of people, you're probably going to get flagged as as doing something malicious. Whereas any ESP or at least a, a really good ESP is gonna invest in their deliverability, uh, which means they're gonna be constantly working to improve the reputation of the IPs where the emails get sent from. So that when those emails get delivered, Gmail, Yahoo, et cetera, they're recognizing that as a re respectable sender and they're able to deliver those messages to the inbox. So I think that's probably one of the most important things. The other thing is statistics. So if you want to measure your email marketing, and we definitely recommend that 
all people do measure their email marketing, you're going to want some types of statistics. So open rate. So how many people actually open the email? So if you send it to 100 people and 20 people open it, you have a 20% open rate. That's something you're going to want to recognize so that you can improve it over time by testing your subject lines. The other thing is, is click rate. So how many people who actually open the email click the links that are in there? With Aweber, at least, we will show you specifically not just what links were clicked, but how many people clicked them. And then you could also see who clicked them. So you can get a better sense of how people are reacting to the content in your email. So that's really important. Uh, and the other thing I would say is we have a thing called a confirmed opt-in. We kind of abbreviate it to COI. You'll probably hear about this when you start researching ESPs, email service providers. And the thing with confirmed opt-in, and you can read a bunch of blog posts, and I think there's a, a couple podcasts I listen to where people kind of argue back and forth whether or not you should have confirmed opt-in or whether or not you should just let people on your list. And what it is really is when you send somebody or when somebody uh, subscribes to your email list, you can send them a, a link to have them confirm. And this just keeps your email list as clean as possible because you don't want to be sending emails to email addresses that are either going to flag it as spam or have it bounce, uh, which means that email address never existed in the first place. So there's definitely some important aspects to confirmed opt-in, which is something that you wouldn't necessarily get if you were just trying to collect email addresses through a WordPress plugin or something like that. Yeah, we've, uh, we've sort of played with both. We are testing not using confirmed opt-in at the moment. It's one of those difficult questions. I know some marketers don't want to use it because they're, they're worried that the initial email goes to spam and then the person forgets and doesn't confirm and then you've lost that lead for no reason. One of the things we've looked at is sort of clearing out our list a bit so people who are non-responsive after the first few emails, we just delete them and we can obviously, well, using Aweber, we can actually search to see who's been non-responsive it makes it really easy, the reporting tools in there, just let us see, okay, that person hasn't opened any emails that we've sent. So let's Yeah, because that's the big thing people might not even realize. You might have all these people on your email list and everyone talks about how important it is to have lots of people on your email list. But if they're non-responsive, they're really just bringing your statistics down and it's not good in any way, shape or form to have them actually there at all. Yeah. And eventually they might see one of your emails after not opening 50 and they're going to flag that one as spam. And ultimately yeah. that's going to hurt you know, your sender reputation. So I 100% agree with that. A lot of people shoot for, I just want to get as many people on my email list as possible. But your strategy is 100% the right way where you just want to keep it clean. So you want to make sure that uh, the maximum amount of people on your list are engaging with your emails. And that could be as simple as opening, you know, one out of every three, four or five, but just making sure that the people who want to be on your email list are on your email list, and they're actively engaging is really important. Uh, so yeah, yeah that, that's, that's awesome. We should definitely get into the more important question, the elephant in the room, before we go into all this advanced stuff, because we haven't really talked about how to get people on that email list. It's true. And I think this is probably one of the key things that we all struggle with. I know we still struggle with it. We're getting better at getting people on there in a more optimized way. But let's crack into some sort of quick tips. What are the things people should be looking at? What should they be implementing on their blog in order to start collecting email addresses and collecting the most possible email addresses from the traffic they get. So I'm going to flip that. And rather than tell you the things that they should do, I'm going to tell you the things that I see bloggers not doing when they're uh -huh. just getting started, uh, all the mistakes that they're making. And hopefully uh, through that, you guys can kind of share with your audience uh, maybe some of the things that you've tried. And I can share you some tips that I've tried. I've actually been a serial blogger. I think I've I've started and stopped like 15 blogs since 2005. I have a lot of experience kind of like tinkering with 
email opt-in forms uh, and tinkering with ways to get subscribers and get people on your list. Uh, so hopefully I have some actionable tips to, uh, to share. But the number one biggest email marketing mistake that I see new bloggers make is, well, the biggest mistake is not having email marketing at all. Right? Yeah. Um, so they, you know, just, they don't have a sign-up form or they don't have a call to action at the end of their posts. They're really just creating content and putting it out there and hoping people stumble upon it. Uh, so that's mistake number one. But what I see a lot of people do is they don't offer anything other than sign up for my newsletter. Yeah. Uh, so in, unless your content is so amazing, and that that's the thing these days is there's a million blogs. And out of that million, there's thousands that are in your niche alone. So you really need to stand out and give people a reason to want to continue to come back to read your blog and interact with you as a, as a, as a person and as a brand. So I think the most important thing is give them an incentive, uh, give them something useful rather than just say, sign up for my newsletter or sign up and we'll send you an update every time we put out a new post. It's like the anti-incentive. I'll send you lots of emails. <laughs> Please sign up because I'll send you lots of emails. I'm like, I don't need any more emails. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like email addresses these days are like a form of digital currency. Um, so if you're not giving something in exchange for it, don't expect to get a lot of email addresses, you know? So I think that it's, it's really important to have that incentive. And I noticed on, on, on the uh, Travel Freedom blog, you guys have the location independence action plan cheat sheet. That's right. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that because like for me, like it was like half like, yeah, I want to see what's on that cheat sheet because of like curiosity, you know, like what could possibly be on the location independence action plan cheat sheet? Like I need to know what's on that. And like I'm happily employed by Aweber. I have a full-time day job. I'm not in the uh, location um, travel freedom game. But if I was, that was a, that would be a cheat sheet that I absolutely needed to have to start my pursuit, to start my journey to becoming location independent, right? So you guys did a fantastic job of creating something that probably, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, probably didn't take you that long to create. Yeah, right? it wasn't that long. It's uh, very simple. It's only a few pages long. So yeah. it's, it's a basic cheat sheet. Yeah, and, and I downloaded it, and there's a lot of great, valuable information in there. But it's not like you guys created a 50-page ebook or a 200-page ebook. Like you guys did a really good job of creating a, an incentive, and I think that's really important for people to to note. And that's kind of my second mistake that I see bloggers making, which is they overinvest in the incentive. So like they do the right thing, and they decide, okay, we want an incentive to get email subscribers, but they overinvest, right? Like they they might go and do like the ultimate guide to starting a blog. And they'll create a 200-page ebook on starting a blog, but there's billions of ultimate guides to starting a blog out there. You know, like you're not really offering anybody unique value there because I can go on YouTube and watch a three-minute video on how to start a blog. You know, so they overinvest in the wrong incentive, which is another mistake that I see people make. Yeah, for sure. I just I think we did that ages ago on a different blog. We put some. There's a book on there that's like 75 pages, 80 pages. Well, like, this is just too much information. People don't read it because, A, it's free. So they think, well, it can't be that good. I'm not going to read 87 pages for free. If it's like three pages that solves one specific problem that they're concerned about at that exact moment, they're probably going to open it and take a look. But if it's 87 pages, they're going to throw it in a corner on their desktop. And then six months later, they're going to go, what was that? And then they're going to delete it. It's, yeah, something simple that people can action straight away is sort of what our new focus has been this year. That's what we've been working with for our email list signups. Yeah, and, and I thought the cheat sheet was a fantastic addition. The, the next mistake that I see people make, they don't leverage landing pages. 
Uh, and I was listening to, I think it was episode 56, uh, where you guys talked all about optimized press. You guys yeah, use? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, you guys said it, the landing page is the most important page on your site. So if you're not directing people to a, a landing page that can clearly state, you know, here's exactly what I have to offer you, or here's the problem that I want to help you solve. And here's how I'm going to help you solve it. You're really just relying solely on your, your content, um, which is valuable, but may not always directly answer that question that the consumer has on their mind, which is what can you do for me? Uh, the landing page is your opportunity to really answer that question. Uh, so if you're not using something like lead pages or optimized press or unbounce, you know, you don't even necessarily need to start investing in landing page software. If you have WordPress, you can just create a page and get your form right on that page and then see if, if that's effective for you. Uh, but just starting to understand the purpose of a landing page and experimenting with it, I think is important. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of landing pages, of course, as you say, that's a really really good place to have your opt-in box to try and collect those email addresses other than that what are sort of like the other top places on your website that having an opt-in box is really going to help you so i really like i I think a lot of bloggers default to the sidebar and i think that that's kind of historically where you Mm. are accustomed to seeing subscription forms i think that that trend has has started to wane a little bit i think people need to be a little bit more uh contextual about where they put their, their opt-in boxes. Two that I really like, I like uh, there's Sumo Me and yeah. Hello Bar are two kind of third-party plugins that you can install on your website. I think I noticed you guys use Sumo Me for sharing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how you guys like it. I love it. I think it's a really I, great tool. I think it's great. We do actually use it for the list builder. So there is a little pop-up cool. that comes up if you try to exit. But yeah, it's we just have an exit. exit it's not a timed one. We, the timed ones distract people. So we think the exit ones are better because if they're leaving anyway, you might as well have one last go at getting them to sign up. Yep. I, I totally agree. The timed one. Also, if you, if you have a blog that has a lot of video, please, please, please do not have a timed pop-up <laughs> yeah. because what happens is people start watching your video and then the pop-up will come up, you know, 10 seconds later and block the video, which is an awful experience. Okay. Be- back to my point. Cause I'm kind of uh, digressing. But. That's all right. We like digression on this show. It's fun. Totally. So Sumo Me and Hello Bar, uh, what that will do is, is kind of put the opt-in uh, call to action like above your site. So it'll be at the top of the web page. You can kind of make it sticky. So it's always up there when you scroll up and down uh, the site, which is pretty great because I think that's a really good place to have a call to action. Uh, because whenever that moment strikes the reader that, you know what, I really want to get this this cheat sheet or I really want to get this incentive, it's always going to be there, uh, which I think is pretty cool. So I definitely recommend you know, the top of the page, kind of make it that that floating navigation bar that sticks. The other thing that I like is there's a WordPress plugin, and this is one of my favorite plugins. It's, it's really simple. It's called Opt-in Forms. What it will do is give you a the ability to create an opt-in form, and the design options are pretty decent, so you can create a nicely designed opt-in form through their interface. And uh, it's free, by the way. So you can, you can download this plugin, create an opt-in form, hook it up with your ESP. So if you have... Um, a unique ID with AWeber, you can just throw that in there and it'll go straight into your email list when customers subscribe. What it gives you that I like so much is a short code. So I don't know if you guys uh, have talked about WordPress, setting up WordPress sites. I, th- I know you guys talked about themes and a couple other, other things, but in WordPress, there's a function called short codes, which basically allows you to put in brackets a little code, which will just pop a unique element right into the page. So what I like to do is put that opt-in form right in the middle of your content don't wait until the end of the post, right? Like put it right where you think your reader is going to be most engaged and make it relevant to what that post is about. 
And I can give a quick example. So I had a blog all about writing and I was reviewing books about writing. So writers who write about writing. I didn't wait until the end of the post. Uh, I would put an opt-in form either like at the first quarter of the post or right in the middle. And I would say, if you'd like this review, review about writing and you want to read more or you want to hear more about other reviews that I have to offer, opt in. And I would put it right in the middle of the review. And I ended up seeing a significant increase in signups from doing that because I caught people when they were engaged most in the article that I was writing. So I think that's a really great place to put it right in the middle of your content. Yeah, we actually do do that on a few pages. In fact, we had a piece of content that came out just a couple of weeks ago that's been really successful uh, on travel blog monetization. And we have an opt-in box about halfway through. And we got about 100 signups in the first seven days of putting that out. Awesome. Which was really nice. From So that was about 4 or 5% conversion rate, I think, on that article. So we're pretty happy with that. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty good. You guys have, um, so I, I guess... You know, we call it the exit intent pop-up. You know, yeah. as you scroll off the page, it pops up. Uh, have you seen success with that? Do you feel like that's uh, an effective? I guess we should be measuring that better. <laughs> yeah, so I haven't looked. It's one of those things where we know that, like, things are happening. But uh, with Sumo Me, what they've got set up is they make it so that you would actually put your email straight into that pop-up. But what we've actually done is we've sort of hijacked the pop-up coding, as it were, and we've just got an image that says, like, if you want to do this, then then press the yes button. And like, if you press the no button, well, you're insane. Why would you press the no button? It's one of those ones. There's a few other websites yeah. that use those as well. Yeah. It's like the false option trick where it's like, obviously you're going to click yes, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's a really good tactic. Uh, putting kind of the no by proximity, uh, it, it helps convince people to click yes. So that's really cool. Yeah, so we don't know. If, we have not measured exactly how many people come through to our landing page from the pop-up and then sign up which we should do. And we can probably set up a campaign for that in, uh, in analytics, Google analytics, I think, but uh, we haven't done that yet, which is very silly, but we're busy. <laughs> <laughs> we can't do oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. And that, but that's another good place to put an opt-in form. Again, it, the time pop-up, it really depends on your audience. A lot of times it's really just intrusive, but it is effective. So if, if you're, if you want to experiment with it, I definitely don't recommend that you just decide not to do it all together. Definitely test these things because it's all depends on your audience and your content. What works for some niches and some blogs is not going to work for others. So you really just need to always be experimenting with different things. Yeah. I mean, this is a great tip. Experimentation for sure. I think people yeah. just go, this is what I read on one blog about how to do email marketing. So I'm going to do this. Well, this is how such and, and such said they did it. So, that. oh, I must be doing it wrong because... It worked for them. It's not working for me. And it's like, no, you just have a different audience. Yeah. Yeah. People give up a bit, I suppose, with that sort of thing. It's tough. If you're not seeing results within the first month or something, you probably get a bit disheartened about that. And you you do have to just keep testing, keep trying new things and experimenting. And that's what you could just suck. Yeah. I mean, maybe you suck, but let's hope you don't suck. (laughs) Yeah. Let's let's hope you don't suck. Let's hope you don't suck. Uh, But the other thing, too, to remember, and I always tell people this when they're just getting started, is that even if you end up getting 25 people, 50 people on your email list, you know, within the first couple of months, that's really awesome. Like, I couldn't fit 50 people in my living room, you know, so like the idea that 50 people want to hear from me, like and and you know, want to connect with me and, and kind of get the content that I have to offer is pretty significant. So you hear about, you know, some very popular bloggers and podcasters and people in online marketing who have, you know, hundreds of thousands of people on their list, but like at some point they start it with 25 or 50, you know? So I think it's really important to, to keep that in mind and not get discouraged just because uh, you're not getting a hundred subscribers a day, you know? So I think it's important just to be okay with starting small, 
but again just continue to experiment to try to grow as quickly as you can yeah it's hard to get 100 subscribers today unless you have lots of traffic so yeah people shouldn't feel bad that they're not getting that sort of subscription level i think like sort of two to four percent is all right as a conversion rate for getting signups based on amount of traffic does that sound good yeah no that's that's fantastic and and you know it's it's again it's going to vary you know that's that's another reason why like I didn't want to come to this podcast with a bunch of statistics to throw out because it really does vary depending yeah. upon like who you are, what you do, who your audience is, what your niche is, what your incentive is, uh, what your you know call to action is ultimately. So I think that it varies so much. I don't like to discourage people or give people false expectations with statistics, just because I think you, you really just need to find what's going to work for you. So if you're happy with 100 people max on your list, and those 100 people are really, really engaged, and you have like a 90% open rate, which is awesome, and those people continue to support you and what you want to do online, uh, that's fine. You know, like, I, I think it's all about setting your own personal goals and uh, kind of metrics for success. Yeah, I think we've seen that with other marketers, like the smaller your list, the more engaged your list normally is, it seems like, because it's normally a more personal list. It's a more niche topic, perhaps, as well. Uh, I know I follow Digital Marketer. I don't know if you know those guys, Ryan Dice and Digital Marketer. I mean, their open rates are only like 8% normally from the stats they give us. And I'm like, wow, 8%, that's awful, because if we had an 8% open rate, we'd barely be getting any traction at all with our email list because we're sort of like 25 to 40% normally with our email list. But yeah, he's like, it's seriously, because we've got so many people on the list, it just, it doesn't feel as personal anymore, perhaps. So you don't feel like you know Ryan personally. Whereas if you feel like you know the person who runs the blog personally, because it's their blog post that you read every couple of weeks, and you, you really feel like you know them, it's like when they send you an email, it's like you've got an email from a friend, and you're more likely to open it. Yeah, and, and a lot of, of really smart content marketers, they write their emails like they're writing to one person, uh, yeah. which is a really great way to create your content. So you have to remember that the medium of an email is totally different than a blog post. So when you write them, and it's it's something that you have to practice and work on, but the more personal you can get with it, uh, the more you're likely you are to connect with the people in that, that, are, that are on the other end. And just a note about making it personal, as you grow your list, uh, and this is a little bit more advanced, I don't want to go too deep into it, but we also talk a lot about email segmentation, meaning, you know, take a large, large list and then start creating segments of people within that list who have different interests so that you can send specific content to, to different interest groups so that the emails that they receive are much more relevant and more actionable based on, you know, the different actions that they take and the different interests that they have. Yeah. Uh, which is definitely something that we we recommend, and and again, that's a little bit more advanced, uh, a little too much to uh, to really consume for kind of email marketing newbies. Yeah. Uh, but as your list grows, it's uh, automation and segmentation are the two you know almost buzzwords, but the two concepts that you're going to need to start looking into to really get the most out of your email marketing. Yeah, and we even segment right now. We actually segment people before they even sign up, so we have different sign up incentives in different places on different websites. So like for the podcast, for example, it's not just the location independence action plan. We actually have a thing about pitching companies. If you're working in the travel blogging industry, you want to pitch a company to go on a tour or to get a free hotel stay. We actually have a podcast about that and we have a cheat sheet attached to that. And that's a separate list that gets people that are specifically interested in that one thing onto a very focused list that's just about pitching rather than about location independent lifestyle in general, like our main list is. So, yeah, we segment in advance so that we know those people are going to be interested in the emails we send and we can be really hyper-focused on what we're sending out to those specific people. 
Yeah, totally smart. Uh, and, and I think for anyone who is starting out, keep that in mind. You know, don't, don't get too in the weeds with it, but definitely keep it in mind because you don't want to send the right person the wrong information just because you dumped everyone onto the same list. Uh, they shouldn't all, depending upon where they came from and what they're interested in, they shouldn't all be getting the same thing because then they're going to start to either unsubscribe because they're not happy with the content that they're receiving or they're getting annoyed, quite frankly, or, uh, you know, even worse, they might flag you as spam. Yeah, or they just don't open anything. That's the problem. Yeah, or they just don't open. They're just completely uninterested in what you send. I mean, I get so many emails from so many companies that go to my promotions tab. For example, in Gmail, I barely even open the promotions tab anymore. I just don't have time to filter through all that stuff. And speaking of which, this is a question that definitely want to be asking. Uh, I'm sure everyone else who signs up to email lists has noticed that a bunch of their emails go into the promotions tab if they're a Gmail user, and perhaps even go to spam. Uh, these sorts of emails, I know we talked about earlier how by using a proper email service like yours that the it's more reliable, but stuff's still getting filtered into promotions. What are the main ways that you advise clients with Aweber to actually avoid ending up in the promotions tab and start getting into the main inbox? So I, I don't know that there's like any one magic bullet uh, to, to prevent emails from going into the promotions tab. And like I said earlier, like, Gmail is kind of rented land, you know, so you can't really build your empire solely on, on on that because that algorithm could change too. So if there was a magic bullet, they could change it at any point and or introduce new tabs or, you know, like it's constantly going to change. So I, I always recommend people not to get too hung up on it. But one thing that you can definitely do uh, is this concept of whitelisting. So you can kind of have customers whitelist your emails, which is going to ensure that it ends up in their primary email in, in their primary email inbox and not in spam and likely not to end up in the promotions tab. And we have a couple of different ways to do that with different email clients uh, on our knowledge base at Aweber. So if you want the more kind of in-depth direction on how to do that, uh, there's a couple of tutorials that we have at aweber.com. Uh, but one of my favorite ways to whitelist or to have your, your readers whitelist an email is, so we haven't really talked about responders or the idea of a first follow-up message yet, but just to kind of set the stage when you uh, go with an ESP that has an autoresponder, you can set up a series of emails that your subscribers are going to receive after they sign up. The first email we typically refer to as the welcome message or the first follow-up message. And I see that in the Travel Freedom Network welcome message. You actually have, and it's, it's a heading, so I, I, I noticed it right away, whitelist this email. You gave me a specific direction to whitelist the email. Over the coming months, you'll be sending me relevant content. Thank you, uh, Tomo Meg- Megzi. Uh, <laughs> it might be relevant to you. Who knows? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll keep up with it because I'm really interested in, in, in how you guys email market because this is awesome. But yeah, so it, it says, you know, with all those email filters and secondary inboxes, if you don't whitelist this email, you're probably not going to get all the free content we want to send you. So you made it very clear that if I want to continue to receive all the awesome stuff that you're going to send me, I need to whitelist the email. You tell me how to do it in Gmail which is just drag the email to your primary inbox and click yes. And that's, that's really awesome. That's one way to do it. Another way that I like to recommend people get subscribers to whitelist their email is have the call to action in your email be a very simple question that they can respond to. Because if they respond directly to your email, most email clients are going to recognize your email as a non-promotion or something that needs to be whitelisted, right? So you could do something so simple as asking a question like, hey, I'm really curious, what's your favorite podcast? You know, email me back and just let me know. Or what travel blogs are you reading? So, you know, just let let us know. Uh, We're really excited to learn more about you. Let us know what travel blogs you're reading. 
or you can even say something like, hey, I, would, I just want to make sure that you get this. You know, can you reply to this email? Uh, you don't even have to write anything. Just reply to this email and let me know that you received it. Uh, so asking a very simple question will achieve a couple different things. So one, it'll, it'll hopefully have somebody respond and then that email will be whitelisted or, or your emails will be whitelisted. But also you'll learn more about your subscribers, right? Like that's like free intel if you're, if you're running a business or you're a blogger, knowing where your subscribers are, uh, what they're reading, what podcasts they're listening to, just any information you can get about them as people or even, you know, you can ask them follow-up questions. You can really start creating the relationship right away. Obviously, this doesn't scale significantly if you have a thousand email addresses coming in a day and you get a thousand emails a day from people kind of responding, you know, saying, you know, what their favorite podcast is and then asking you follow-up questions that you might need to follow up with. But if you're just getting started, you just want to make sure that you're getting whitelisted and you want to learn more about your subscribers, which I think is a great way to continue the momentum of email marketing. It's a great way. Just ask a real simple question at the end and ask people to, to respond. Yeah, I've seen, uh, well, we do that on a couple of our other email lists and we want to implement it on the one that you just joined up with for the Travel Freedom Podcast. Uh, it's just a matter of time. <laughs> we will get that done eventually. But we do oh, yeah. find, yeah, people email and they ask a couple of questions and I send them a quick answer. And it's like, well, now those people know that there's a real person at the other end of the email. They're more likely to open the next email as well. So it's not just for the sake of Gmail's algorithms. It is also to to make that connection. And you know, people are going to want to talk to you more. They're going to want to listen to what you have to say a bit more if they know you're real. Yes. <laughs> and also, if, if you know that they're real, you're more likely to write content that's going to serve them better, right? Yeah. Because you know, you're starting to get to know them better. I think some of the uh, pitfall, pitfalls of blogging and, uh, and email marketing is your, your audience becomes so large that you can, you can start to lose sight of who specifically you're writing for, you know, like who your persona is, who your actual audience is, uh, because like you don't want them to become just like a large number, you know, like I get thousands of page views and I get, you know, 10 email subscribers a day. Like you don't want your audience to become a number. Like you want to be interacting with them, whether it's on social comments. Um, and I think that, you know, you guys do an awesome job with that. Uh, but I think a lot of people fall into that trap uh, as they start to grow their list and, and grow their, their, their followers. Yeah, it's hard to keep up. I get a lot of emails from one of our other lists. Uh, they always seem to ask the same sort of questions, though, so I can sort of predict and have pre-written answers. I can sort of go, okay, I know they're going to ask about this, so I know the answer to this already. It's really quick. Yeah, hopefully it, it actually helps them, and that gives us a bit of extra credibility as well, which is cool. We are going to start running out of time, so we're going to have to move along a little bit. Hopefully we've got a couple more questions about optimizing email lists. So we've already talked about whitelisting and we started to talk about doing your your first email and how important that is to connect with your audience but what about uh emails like uh the frequency of sending them out yeah that's really important because there's a lot of different people who have different opinions on this one as well they're like well you should give them one email every day for the first seven days so they like so they will know who you are and you'll get people like no that'll piss them off don't do that that's insane so what what is your personal opinion on how many emails that you should send out to your audience? My personal opinion is that it's gonna, it's always gonna vary by audience. Uh, it's always gonna vary by what you're trying to use email to accomplish. So if if people sign up for a seven day course on everything you need to know about living a location independent lifestyle, then they should expect an email each day for seven days. So being really transparent upfront with what they're gonna get. And this is something that you can put in the welcome message. I don't think this needs to go in your opt-in form or anything like that. But when you send that first welcome message, just say, 
hey, we send an email update every Thursday or every other Thursday. Just be consistent with it and give people an idea of what to expect and then consistently show up and, and send that that message at that time. And you'll hopefully start to hear feedback or you'll see the trends of unsubscribes or engagement to say like, yeah, this is really working or you know what, we need to tweak this. But yeah, I don't recommend just, you know, one, one of the words that we absolutely hate at Aweber is email blast. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't like this idea of like, blasting people with information you know so like don't pelt your uh, subscribers with way too much content up front unless of course that you know that's what they signed up for you know if they signed up for a seven day email course then give them seven days of really awesome content Uh, if they signed up for a monthly newsletter don't give them seven days worth of overwhelming content no (laughs) they're expecting one a month and then they're blasted with seven in a week yeah i would be pretty annoyed with that i think i'd be marking that as spam in fact, if someone was completely over the top when they told me they weren't going to be. So, yeah, you don't want to get marked with spam. I think we, we rarely get any spam complaints on our account, which is great. But I think there is sort of a limit if you get too many spam complaints. That's actually somewhere where your account's going to get flagged and then you're in a bit of trouble. And you don't want to be getting spam comments from people anyway. You don't want people saying that you're spamming no. them. That's, that's not good for your business anyway. One thing I actually do appreciate about Aweber when um, formulating an email that we do send out or a broadcast we send out to everyone, is uh, it will tell you if your headline is too spammy. Yeah. Like certain certain words and certain indicators that make people go, oh, it's spam. And yeah, so, and Gmail thinks it's spam, yeah, and then it goes to the spam folder. Spam. So, yeah, there's some good little things on there that help us out as we're trying to plan emails, which is great. Cool. So, yeah, we are pretty much out of time. Thanks, Tom, for coming on the show and uh, giving us lots of great advice about email marketing. Yeah, really yeah, good things to get people really started. Good tips, really good tips that we also should be doing more work yes. on. We, even though we've been trying to do this for ages, we're still we're still not 100% there. I don't think anyone's ever 100% there. Yeah. You're, You're never 100% there. there. Yep. Yeah, Yep. exactly. But we do have one last question. Yeah, so sure. uh, this is a kind of similar question that we ask everyone at the end. So for someone starting from scratch with setting up an email list, what is the one most common mistake newbies make and what can they do to avoid it? I'm going to have to go back to just, you know, defaulting to sign up for my email newsletter. You know, you really need to give some type of incentive. And again, that could be something so simple. You know, it could be a one page PDF. It just needs to be something that is going to help your audience either solve a problem or offer some kind of value rather than just like you said earlier, you know, inviting them to just receive more emails, you know, which of course nobody really wants, you know, nobody really wants more emails in their inbox unless it's going to help them be successful or solve a certain problem. Uh, so be really clear and also make your brand uh, kind of strong and, and, and visual. I love the tool Canva. Uh, I don't know if you guys yeah. have. Yeah. We use it all the time. Love it. So, so awesome. And it's so easy to use. You do not have to be a designer uh, by any means to use that tool. So whether, you know, use Canva to design like a really nice image to go along with your your opt-in form or to go alongside your opt-in form, but something a little bit more engaging than just the, the form fields and the submit button, you know, so you can do some, some fun stuff with that. Uh, and then when you do start to send emails, you can also use Canva to send or to create e- images that will go in your emails. You can create some pretty engaging images, put some, some calls to actions with those images. Uh, you can create some pretty cool stuff that is going to support your brand and then also kind of delight your subscribers. Cool. Yeah, all good tips. Hopefully everyone's got some great value out of listening to this episode. 
And of course, if you don't already use AWeber and you do want to check out that system, the one we've been using for over two years now, manages, we've got almost 4,000 subscribers managed by AWeber at the moment across all our different sites. So yeah, lots of emails being sent out to lots of different people, all automated, which is fantastic. If you do want to check that out, you can go through our link, travelfreedompodcast.com slash AWeber. And that gets you to the page where you get a one month free. Your first month is completely free when you sign up. So you can take a look. If you don't like it, you can go and try something else, whatever you like. But if you do like it, it starts from $19 a month. Is that right? Yep. So it's $19 a month. And then that, that first month, is uh, the 30 day trial uh, is a great way to try it out and see if, uh, if it's something that's going to work for you. Perfect. All right, Tom, thanks very much for coming on the show. Anytime. Yeah, this was awesome. And best of luck uh, with your email marketing and, uh, you know, kind of living this location independent lifestyle. It's so cool. Totally awesome. It's a crazy life, but yeah, we like it. Yeah, it is. It's great. Well, it's almost the end of the show. Oh, what a fascinating show it was. Well, I actually learned quite a few things that I hadn't really thought about. No, he's just a wealth of information. And I think we're going to have to get Tom back for like part two of this series because there's just so much that you can learn about email marketing. And as we said from the very top of the episode, it's so very important to your business. Yeah, and it's just so useful to have that thing that's stable beyond all of the algorithm changes and social media changes and Facebook getting rid of all the organic reach that we used to have that we don't see anymore. have 100,000 people on Snapchat, but if Snapchat is no longer the thing, or they change their algorithms, I don't even get Snapchat. I probably shouldn't diss. I don't know anything about Snapchat. I'm too old. I don't understand it. It scares me. So let's set a couple of travel homeworks, because if you have not actually got a proper email list set up, then obviously, number one, go and get a proper email list. Yeah, you're missing out on a lot of opportunity to really connect with your audience and more importantly reconnect with your audience because once they read that article if there's nothing to sign up for they're going to go and they may never come back they may like you on facebook but they may never see your posts because that's facebook yeah so yeah really important uh head over to travelfreedompodcast.com slash aweber if you want to get that first free month with aweber and try them out and just, you know, start sending out some emails, start yep, collecting some get emails. get it all set up. Um, also, we need you to come up with a really good hook for people to want to sign up. Just like, hey, come follow me on my travels. Why does anyone give a shit? Yeah, what is your sign-up bribe at the moment? What are you offering? What makes people go, ooh, yes, so I want to do that? It's a really good idea to maybe jump on some of your favorite blogs and see what their hook is. What got you to sign up to their email list. Yeah, and obviously, uh, Pat Flynn, smartpassiveincome.com, we were talking about him. Go and sign up to his email list because he does it really well. He does it better than we do. He does it better than most people do. And he's got a few little opt-in boxes that will be making you go, ooh, ooh, I'm interested in earning tons of passive income. I'll sign up for that. Yeah, so that's our two main homeworks today. If you are already past that stage, then number three, of course, get working on your welcome email. Your welcome email should be asking people to whitelist you so that you will get more engagement in the future. And it should be trying to connect on a personal level so that people feel like there's a real person at the end of the email. Don't forget, you can get the full detailed summary of this episode, the written version on the show notes, travelfreedompodcast.com slash 060. And also that cheat sheet for phase two of our core concept series. Thanks for listening. 
listening to the Travel Freedom Podcast. Show notes and resources for this episode are waiting for you at travelfreedompodcast.com. Join us again every Monday to learn how to supercharge your online income and travel like a prince on a pauper's budget. We are waiting for your comments and feedback, so tweet us at mytravelfreedom. Or email info at travelfreedompodcast.com. I'm Tomo. And I'm Maxie. Catch us again every Monday on the Travel Freedom Podcast. Bye for now. Bye. 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 Bye.